Amen. Now, if you have your Bible, would you open it, please, to um, the book of Romans? And we have something special and unique today in this service. It's rare. We don't do this very often. You can see the title of this is Calling a Servant into Ministry. And I was thinking about, as I was preparing this message, about the many different moments in my life where God was calling me to something and seeking out His wisdom and discernment. In fact, before I came to Guam, I can recall a moment where I was in a classroom at Talbot University. My professor, who's a good friend and a mentor, was there. And I was saying, you know what? I need discernment here. I've got the church I'm serving in. Good things are happening. They want me to be there. There's a church in Northern California. They're asking me to leave and go and serve there. And then there's this Guam opportunity. And I'll be honest with you, of all of them, it's the most challenging. It's the, the, the least in terms of if you're looking at it from a secular perspective, it's a long move. You're away from, from family. It pays the less. What should I do? And we walked through this and we prayed for discernment. And there's a question because I did come here. So how did I know where God was calling me to? That's what I want to look at today because we're going to talk about the calling of, of Mel and Rachel right here. Can you two just raise your hand? I, want them, I don't want them to confuse Larry with you, Mel. But uh, Mel grew up here, went away to college, came back. He served five years here. We worked together in this church. He went away again to prepare. God is calling him to plant a church here. How do you know that's what God wants you to do? And there's something about a minister, a pastor that is unique in this. Everybody can go through something similar. But in this case, I want to show you what happened in the life of Paul. He is writing a letter to the Roman church, and we're going to answer this question, the calling of a servant in the ministry. I know because I've experienced the very thing I'm going to tell you about today, but I also know because it's in God's Word, Romans chapter 1, I'm going to share it with you, and then we're going to apply it to Mel and Rachel. So I want you to read with me. If you have a Bible, I don't have it up on the screen today. If not, then just listen. I'm going to read to you. 15, the first 15 verses of Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, 
asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Father, I pray your blessing now as we unpack your word that is holy and precious. Teach us, instruct us, encourage us, and exhort us in Christ's name. Amen. Now, the first point I want to talk about on this is who is this man called to minister? And the first point is easy. Of all the points I'm going to give you today, this is the easiest. His name is Paul. That's who we're talking about. Now, the one important part about this is that everything I'm going to say after this is specific to Paul. If I insert and put another name there, then what I would say about the name would be different. If it was Peter, it would be different, but it's Paul. But who is this minister? It's Paul. If I was to say, who is Kevin? Then I would have my own story about how I was called to be a minister. If I put Mel's name up there, that's, we're going to talk some about that today, but it's different. It's unique to the minister and how they've been called. Who is this minister? We're talking about Paul right now. And then he is a servant. Everything I give you in this first point all comes from verse 1. He is Paul and he is a servant. Now, in the Greek, this word is doulos. It can also mean slave. And the power it brings with this is that if you're a servant... If you're a slave, that means you're actually under someone else's authority. Paul is under the authority of Jesus Christ. It is not his own thing. He's serving someone else. But that's what he means by this. He has a master, and he's under that master's authority. And you may not ever think of yourself that way, but you are. If you're a servant of Jesus Christ, you have a master. You have a boss in heaven. Jesus Christ. Who is this minister? His name is Paul, and he has a master that he serves, Jesus Christ. But then it goes on to say, he's called. Now, that's an interesting word and what he means by that. Paul is commissioned by Jesus Christ. Paul, walking on the road to Damascus, met Jesus Christ, and from that moment on, he became a servant of Him. Christ commissioned Him for something specific. I'm going to give you that as we go through this, but the word called means He's being called into something. Now, here's, here's the interesting part that I like about this. The word called means you aren't doing the action. It's being done to you. I mean, if my phone is sitting over there, if someone calls me, someone else has initiated an action that now has come all the way to me. You are being called. Hello? Jesus Christ. Yes? Come serve me. He's calling him into something. He is called. Not only is he called, but he's set apart. And what that means is I'm going to take this and put it over here for something specific, something special. 
something designated. This also means that he, in, by the word separated, everything in his life has to be sifted over to the side and can never derail or sidetrack him from accomplishing the mission he's called to. Wealth, prosperity, fame, anything you put into that category, it cannot compete to such an extent that you fail at the mission that you're called to. That's what he means by that. He's called to something that's designated that has the highest priority in his life. Now, I look at those words. I look at those descriptions. And I want to say this. I believe every single one of those is true of Mel, except the word Paul. You have a different name. You, your name is Mel. You're a servant. You serve a master, Jesus Christ. I believe you have been called into ministry, and I believe you're set apart. And I'm going to unpack that as we go through this. But I want to give that to you right now. That, who is the minister? It's Paul. But why did he go to Rome? Why Rome? Remember in the beginning I said, I could go here, I could go there. How did I end up here? Well, ultimately it's because God set me apart to come here, to be here and serve here in Guam. And this is what we're going to see in the life of Paul, because he kind of went everywhere for a while, but there came a point where he wanted to go to Rome. He was feeling called to Rome. So here's my points in this. First of all, why, why Rome? Because he had a heart for the Romans. And you kind of see this. It says in the last verse, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Now, as you went through this, do you remember the verse where it said, we hear about you all over the world? You see, Rome was the epicenter of the globe. I mean, they were the mightiest empire the world had ever seen. And Rome was its capital, and there was rumor, and then it grew, and validation that there was a church. There were Christians in Rome. And there's something special about that. How does something conservative grow out of an area that is going to be hostile to it, that will attack it? The very values represented within Christianity are graded against by the values of Rome. I remember when Tim Keller, who passed away recently, he grew a mega church that impacted the globe in New York. And people said, how is it you planted a church? I don't know if he planted it. Did he plant it? Mel, I can't remember. If he just went there and it was dying and he grew it. Anyways, he grew a mega church in a uber liberal part of the world. And people said, how did you do that? This is Paul. Paul saying, I want to go to the epicenter. I want to build into that church because it's situated where it has such a big impact. He had a heart for the Romans. Not only did he have a heart for the Romans, but he wanted to equip them. Verse 11, he says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Paul had a unique gift God gave him. It's like he's a tool. And that tool He's special. He's, it's used to build people up, his teaching, his preaching, his writing. And he says, I want to bring that to you and build you up. 
to make you stronger, to strengthen you, to bring about spiritual maturity. Because the next part he says, I want to impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And in this part, what I said, not only did he want to equip them, but he wanted to share in ministry with them. I'm going to come and I'm going to build you up. But then he says, we're going to share in ministry where it's going to be something that's mutual. It's not just that I'm giving to you, but you're also giving to me. I'm encouraged by you. You build me up. He says, there's the words here he writes are mutually encouraged. That's a two-way thing. It's not a one-way thing. And so, you see, he had a heart for those people. He wanted to use the gifts God gave him to build them up. And he knew that in doing that ministry, he would be encouraged as well. Then he goes on to say he wanted to grow them spiritually. And this was a little bit alluded to in a prior point when he says he wanted to to impart something to them. But he says, I want you to know, brothers, that I've often intended to come to you. You're seeing his heart again. He's been prevented. But in order that I may reap some harvest among you, well, the word harvest means something's grown up and it's ready to be plucked. It's mature. If I plant something, I don't harvest it till it's grown up into maturity. And you could see it. Oh, it looks good. Let's enjoy that. Let's pick it. So he says, I want to harvest among you. I want to come to grow you up into further maturity, he says. But not just you. Also, he wants to reach new people because he says that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. You see that? He didn't want to just reach out to already saved people. He wanted to reach people who didn't know Christ, who needed the gospel. Now again, I'm going to look at these. And I'm going to say, I see these in Mel. Go to the next side. See, he wanted to grow them numerically. In other words, he wanted them to grow spiritually, bring out maturity. But then I want to reach new people. So that means you're going to grow. If we reach new people, you're growing. Now, in this, this is what I've seen in Mel. This is the heart of a minister. I spent five years working alongside him. He grew up here. I know he cares about the people of Guam. That's one of the reasons he's come back here. He wants to reach the people of Guam. He, of everything I know about Mel, that second one, he wants to equip them. He really wants to use the giftings God's given him. And I would say to you, just like that third point, share in ministry. You need to minister back to Mel. Pastors need ministered to as much as everybody else. We are in the process of our own spiritual growth and sanctification. We're not there. Ask my wife. We're not there all the way. And we need ministered to. And Paul's saying, I need that. I'm looking for that. Something that's mutual. And I would say that for you guys. He wanted to grow them, and he wanted to grow them numerically. I think it's a failed plan to support Mel to have a launch team that comes from our church with him to go out there. And five years later, we check in on him, and the only people there are people who were saved already at the moment we launched him. I'd say, where's all the new people? 
You need to reach people that aren't saved. It's a known fact that reaching new people is often accomplished by planting new churches. New churches reach new people. And so it should be part of the plan of churches to plant. As a church, five years ago, one of our elders, Pancho, left. Some of you went with him. He went into a church that was struggling. And he spent five years building it. And you should hear what's going on there now. He's brought some life to that church and it's growing. Five years later, here's Mel and Rachel. We're going to support them launching out. That should be the heart of a church. We don't care just about collecting and saying, look how big we are. We need to support God's work that goes outward, training people up, investing in them, and seeing how God might call them to somewhere else. Now, that tells you why. But my next point is, how did he do it? Because it might sit here with Mel and go, how are you going to do it? You know, and we're going to see this in Paul. The first point is he followed the vision that God gave him. Now, I want to tell you something, because in the summer, we collected all the pastors on the island into one room. We brought a, one of my professor friends from the States, and he ministered to them. I love that. That's part of my heart. That's part of the vision for how I want our church to support the gospel on this island. I'm going to share more about that next week. But I want to tell you something. It was awesome to see the pastors in the room and to hear him minister to them. And there was a talk he gave that was all about vision. Because you can go to a pastor and say, what is your vision? What's the vision God's given you? Everybody has the same mission. It's the great commission. But our vision for how we succeed in the Great Commission may look different in different parts of the globe. And so you can go to pastors and say, what's your vision? Sometimes like, I don't, I don't know. And he's so encouraging, my professor friend. It's like, sometimes it takes a year or two for God to even give you that vision. So you might be in a spot where you're like, I don't know yet. And he talked about how to get that. But one of the best points he made was, God gives vision to one person. He doesn't give it to like 25 people and they have to somehow work it out. He told this hilarious story about a particular church. He was trying to help them and it was like they just didn't have a clear vision and they were trying to get that vision and they formed a vision committee. And he's like, I'm not sure that'll work. But he went away, came back, I think it was like five years later. And he said, how's that vision committee going? And the response was, hey, we're still meeting, talking about it. That's what happens in a vision committee. He gives vision to, and he calls leaders. Abraham, leave your land. Moses, set my people free. He goes to individuals. He gives a vision to them. Let me show you something about Paul. In Acts chapter 9, this is just after he's met Christ on that Damascus road, and he sent someone else to go minister to him, a man by the name of Ananias. Ananias was like, he told Ananias, I want you to go minister to Paul. Ananias was like, are you, are you kidding? 
Maybe he didn't say those exact words, but he was like, we know about Paul. He basically said, are you sure? Which oh, I always love that. The sovereign God of the universe tells you to do something. Are you sure? In your omnipotence, are your wires crossed? Go minister to Paul. But that guy's been persecuting the church. And then God's response is this to Ananias. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings of the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And the thing that I think about with Paul was he stuck to that vision. Early on, it's like he preached to Jews, and the Jews were like, no way. So he went to those who were responding, which was the Gentiles, and sort of through, through his uh, ministry experience, God led him into that. And I want to tell you something about the early church. Jesus said, go into all the world, and it stuck right in Jerusalem. It couldn't break out of that. The church grew no further than the boundaries of the city of Jerusalem, and God raised up Paul. Why? Because I need you to reach the Gentiles. Sometimes God raises up a leader, gives them the vision to reach a particular people. And Paul did that. He followed the vision that God gave him. Galatians 2, 7 to 9. Paul wrote a letter to the Galatian church. He's talking about his credentials a little bit. He says, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, that would be Gentiles, people who are not Jews, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, look at that. There's two giants of the faith, each one given a vision for a particular people. Peter, you're going to reach the circumcised. You're, I'm using you to reach the Jews. Paul, you're going to go reach the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. And so I'm kind of hitting on this a little bit because I want you to know that God raises up leaders, gives them a vision. And so when I look at this launch team, I want to say to you, you need to support the vision of Mel. He didn't put you on the team so that you could bring your own vision to the team. You need to help. You need to craft, help craft it sometimes, speak into it, but it's Mel's vision. And I say that because in the next year, you, at, you are at some of your most vulnerable time because just like an infant is, is vulnerable and needs help, an early young church is like that. And there are many stories about young churches who had somebody come into that church and they really just had their own agenda. And they brought things in and they created trouble. And so I lay that out. The Bible sees it that way. God gives a vision. He gave it to Paul. Paul stuck to the vision. That's how he did it. And so there is a, there is a side where I say, how are you going to do it, Mel? What's the vision God's giving you? And you know what? He's got some. Maybe God will give him more as it goes. Sometimes it takes a year or two before he really figures it out. And I would say that's true of me. The, some of the stuff I talk about, I didn't, I didn't talk about it in the first year or two. I had to settle in and learn and see the people and the guy and listen to God talking to me to really begin to hone in vision for this church. And the more I did it, the better I got at it. 
That's, that's how it goes. But that's how Paul did it. Paul followed the vision that God gave him. Then I would say this. He built a team. He built a team. Now, this is great because you're launching with a team. That's good. Paul on the Damascus Road is stepping out. I got no team. You're launching out with a team. And here, I want to take you to one place in the Bible. It's interesting because look right here in Romans 1, Paul is writing to Rome saying, I want to come be with you. I'm eager. I'm going to take you somewhere else where he's actually in Rome. Now he's in Rome and he's writing to other churches and he's talking about his team. How did he do it? He had help. If we turn to the book of Colossians, in the book of Colossians at the very end, he talks about his team. I'm not going to read this whole thing. I'm going to highlight the team. Tychicus, I will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And he goes on and on. Luke, beloved physician, greets you. He's with his team. Right now you're sitting there with your launch team. Do you guys get that? You know how you... Gospel Life, that's the name? You need a team. Mel can't do everything. And you need to come alongside him, and Mel needs to lead in that. That's how Paul did it. That's my encouragement to you for how to do it. And then thirdly, how did Paul do it? He gave everything to the calling. And that goes back to the separated part. You can't have anything come into your life that's going to compete in such a way that you fail at the mission. You must lend everything about you, who you are, everything God gives you to the success of the calling. And one of the great examples of this, and I'm not going to read this whole one, I'm going to highlight it to you. Paul talks about how much he gave. How committed was Paul to his calling and to the visions that God gave him and who to reach? 2 Corinthians 11, he says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. He goes on and on and on. That is a very interesting passage to hear all the things that happened to him. How committed was he? That tells you how committed he was. And there's a way in which I want to say, because I have seen guys leave the States, come over here and say, God wants me to plant a church, and they're gone in two years. What happened to them? Well, you know, it was tough. Look at Paul. I tell you this, there's no pastor that left the States, came over here, was beaten 40 times, or whipped 40 times, beaten five times, shipwrecked, all those things. You've got to be fully committed to the calling. I don't think this will happen. I pray it doesn't, that you're beaten, whipped, and shipwrecked. But God's going to give you your own challenges. But you've got a team and be fully committed. Now, It says then, and this is where I go, what's expected of you guys? What's expected of the church? Paul's writing to these, the Roman Christians, and he puts a couple things in here that lets you know he has some expectation of the church. So you're together, when he gets together with the church, this is some things we can draw out from this passage, Romans chapter 1. Let me just go back and read the section. 
He's saying, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now look what he says to the team. Through whom we, plural, not just Paul, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And when I look at in those two verses, a couple things about the team. Number one, Mel's not the only one called. Mel's not the only one sent. You are sent ones also. So you think of sending as like, I have to leave here and go all the way to Rome. I'm sent. But the people there in Rome, he's saying, you, you are sent as well. And the way that works is you can't just be here. You have to go out of these buildings. You have to go out into the culture he's called you to. You are sent to the culture of Guam. You have a diversity of backgrounds. Right now in this moment, as you launch out, you are sent to Guam. Called. He says, you're apostles. Not a capital A, little a. The word apostle means sent one. Set apart. And that's what you are. And he also says, here's your number one priority. Make his name known. That's the one name that stands out above all the rest. Because sometimes we as pastors in our churches, we care too much about our own name. How many, how many people do we get? How big are you? And we care about our name. Oh no, some people over here went to that church. Oh, we're not doing well. Well, that says a lot about I care about the name Bayview. But we're not competitors. We're not. He says, make his name known. In all the years I've been in Guam, going back to the 90s, that's one thing I've learned about churches in Guam. They can be tribalistic. They can sometimes care about the huddle of their own tribe. And there's a way in which in this moment I want to say to Mel and to the launch team, you are not our competitor. You are not. We care about the name of Christ first and foremost. And let me show you this if you want to see this in a particular section, um, making His name known. It's uh, Acts chapter 13. Actually, I put it on a slide. Let me put it on the slide. I want, to, I want you to see two responses here. Paul's preaching. People are coming to know Christ. Here's two responses. Here's the first response. When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. There's a response. And then here's another response. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Two totally different responses. You look and you see, that guy's doing well. Whoa, look at the multitudes, it's growing. And what fills your heart? Is there envy? Is there jealousy? That doesn't come from God. And I want to tell you, five years ago when Pancho, he was sitting right there in the first service, that's why I was pointing there. When Pancho left this church, I said that to we want you to succeed. And I pray for God's blessing upon you. You're not our competitor. I said that to Poncho, and I stood in front of the church. If there's anyone that wants to go and help Poncho, now's the time. Now, I'm a believer in membership. You need to be part of a singular church and give yourself to that church. But we're not competing with one another. 
And if God wants to send someone like He's doing here, all of the people sitting next to Mel, except for Patty, right? Did I get the name right? Deb. Deb, sorry, Deb. They all have been here at this church, and they're going with Mel because they feel called to that. And if there's ever anyone in here who says, I kind of hope Mel falls flat on his face, that comes from Satan. We want to see them do well, and we are going to lend our support to them because there are brothers and sisters in Christ, and there's only one name we care about. It's the name Jesus Christ. Now, the last thing I put here is you are called, you belong to Christ. You're called to be saints, you're called to belong to Christ. It's the very last part in those two verses. And I kind of look at the team because this is what's expected of the church that he was going to in Rome. This is the team, essentially. Remember, you belong first to Christ. And in the first service, right, you, I looked out at you and I said, there's, amongst all of you, there's quite a variety of things you belong to, right? Mo has uh, had a lot of different work. You belong to nonprofits, right? I said, Hoyt's a pilot. He's part of the, He belongs to the United family. There's a representation in this group like that. But your greatest belonging is to Christ and to the thing that He has called you to. And I'm excited for you guys. Now, in a moment, I'm going to call you guys up here. And um, I want to bring you two up first. And I need to ask uh, Hoyt and Larry, can you move the table? Because we need room right here. You know, I made the joke, look, they're already working together as a team. See, that's great. Uh, you guys come up, just Mel and Rachel. Hoyt, can you grab the brown Bible over there? Okay. We're going to pray for you guys as a team. I wanted to just say something to you. First of all, this is a gift. You know what this is? Yes. You know what it is? <laughs> you tried to give it to me before. Pastors need good <laughs> books. This is actually a, it's a Bible, but it is a, it's called a study Bible. And I'll tell you a secret. Pa- pastors, we like study Bibles because if we're ever preparing a message, I can always go and say, I wonder what John MacArthur says about this verse. I wonder what David Jeremiah says about this verse. And you don't have David Jeremiah, right? So now you do. Thank you. All right? Thank That's you. a gift. <laughs> okay, so... I brought you both up because I know there's a team, but there's also a team. You know, my greatest and most valuable asset, I shouldn't even use that word, that sounds horrible, it's my wife. She's she's my greatest team member in terms of ministry. She supports me, boy, I didn't say good words there, but I love my wife because my wife, you know, I know she loves me and she can be the most honest with me. And I never think she's got some ulterior motive, right? She has my best interest at heart, but it can be very challenging for a wife too. Pastors can get a lot of criticism. Pastors can get pulled in a lot of directions. A lot of demand can be on on pastors. And I wanted to say to you, um, first of all, you have a great wife. I know, Rachel. I have met pastors and their wives. Sometimes I'm like, I meet a, no one on Guam 
but I've met some pastors' wives, and I'm like, that's going to be trouble for that pastor. <laughs> Rachel's the opposite of that. You, you are awesome, okay? Um, Paul gave everything to the calling, to the vision. Remember the beatings, the whippings, all of that? The one thing you can never sacrifice for the ministry is your family. You cannot. And Paul is different than Mel and myself in that way because Paul wasn't married. Paul had no family. In fact, Paul said, I wish everyone could be like me, meaning I wish you were single because when you're single, you can give everything to ministry. All the single people here, give everything to ministry. When you have a family, you have to think about your wife, you think about children, and you never want to sacrifice them, lose them, because, oh, but, but I'm doing ministry. No, they have to come first. And when you get to other parts of the Bible, like the book of Timothy, where he's saying, what are the credentials to qualify you to serve as a pastor? One of the first things is look at the family. If he can't leave his, lead his family well, how can he lead a church? And so I, I brought you both up here because I want to highlight that. Now, I want to bring the whole team up because here's what I'd like to do. We don't have a last song today because I wanted to do this to commission. We want to pray for them. We want to pray for their team. I want you to see them. I'm going to let them, Mel, can you grab the mic right over there? I'm going to let them uh, introduce themselves, and then the leaders of our church are going to come up, and we're going to pray for them. We'll start over here on this side. Good morning. Uh, we are Grant and Jenna Hodgins. We've been here since 2014. Uh, our day-to-day -day life, we serve with uh, TWR in Maritzo. Um, and we've served here in many different capacities, and it will be uh, a challenge to leave here, uh, but we know that God has called Mel to start this church, and we're going to be there to support him in that. Hi, I'm Deb Brandon. Um, I've been in Guam since the beginning of September. I actually now have my driver's license, so I can say I now am a member of Guam, <laughs> and I came from Minnesota where Mel and Rachel did a lot of um, ministry and were at my church resurrection. And um, I see Mel's vision and heart and that's why I'm here because I wanna help in any way to get this church um, going, thanks. Hi, I'm Jackie. Um, I've been here at Bayview for four years now, and I remember coming through those doors. I was new here. I was um, sad and broken and lost, but all I knew is that God told me to come here. And since then, he has blessed me in so many ways. I've been serving as a youth leader. I've been helping out in the children's um, preschool class. And I, when I before going through, coming through these doors, I remember praying in the car. I was like, Lord, I'm late. It's 10.30. Like, I'm late to church again. Um, and I asked him to bless me with at least one Christian friend because I've never had one. And God blessed me with so many and a whole family. And these four years of being here, he's really matured me. He's grown me up. And meeting Mel through youth group, he told me his vision, and I said to myself, like, when he's ready, I'll follow him. And it, today's the day, and I'm sad to leave, but happy and blessed. Thank you. So I'm Robert and Irene O'Shara, like Jackie. We came in here new 27 years ago. 
became believers here, but wasn't called by God. I don't think to come here. I was like called by my best friend um, who loves Jesus and also um, put many years here. So it's first service, we said it's bittersweet because we have so many friends and so many memories. We raised three kids in this church who love Jesus. And it's going to be sad to leave, but we're excited because, like PK had said, we're also called to join Mel. And so we're excited, and we're going to, we're going to miss you folks, but it's Guam. It's not Rome, right? We'll see you around. Good morning. I'm Larry Basinger. This is Monique, my wife. Um, we, I, I get emotional, so please bear with me. Um, we've been here since about 2000, so 23 years. Uh, we've been involved in the children's ministry. Uh, we've been small group leaders. Uh, Monique's been highly involved with the women's ministry. Um, we started out with the children's ministry basically when we first got here and set it off. So most of the young adults that you see actually um, in this church or the ones like the Shiro's children, we actually changed their diapers, changed their diapers um, all the way up until they <laughs> left and went to college. Um, it, it is bittersweet that we're leaving this church. Um, I do want to thank Kevin for his ministry um, and teaching me and giving me more faith and able to grow. Um, he helped me become a small group leader, and then he grew me as a Christian in order to believe and learn and I don't think I would have been able to do this and learn with Mel and his vision and stuff if it wasn't for Kevin's leadership. So thank you, Kevin. And go ahead. That's good. <laughs> uh, we're waiting Sonia Whetstone. We uh, came here 2016. Definitely remember the first time we came in the door, we sat down and realized that he was on point number four. So we're hoping to do a little bit better than that with the new church, at least uh, get there on time. Uh, we, we started in multiple of roles here, here, uh, small groups, uh, music, uh, a little bit in the sound booth. And uh, just, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, one of my members of my old team there anyway laughing. Uh, but anyway, we are, we're looking forward to launching out and uh, just seeing what God has in plan store for us. Thanks. Mel uh, and Rachel, my wife here, I was born and raised here on the island of Guam. Um, the Lord called me um, to serve here uh, through the Send Network and through uh, the blessing of Bayview and Resurrection Church uh, to plant gospel life on the island of Guam. And I just want to say um, thank you to all of you. Um, I think there was a pastor who said, how do you know that you leaved you, you left a church well, and uh, you see it here because we leave with tears, and it's going to hurt a lot when we leave this place. So please pray with us. Um, pray for everyone in this, in this team. We're leaving a lot of friends. We're leaving family, and we're leaving what's familiar for the unknown. And so uh, we're looking forward to what God is going to do through Gospel Life. And eventually, as you could see, there's going to be a lot of needs here at, at Bayview as well. And that I pray that the Lord would bless this church and fill the need 
that is here as the void is, is brought as we leave this place. Let me have uh, our elders come forward. We're going to pray for them. Jeff was in Saipan this morning. We flew him back just to pray, be able to pray for you. Um, is that Ian in the... Oh, there's Pancho. Ian, come up too. Come on up. So this is Pancho and Ian. Thank you for coming back, Pancho. So as I said earlier, Pancho left five years ago. I love that Mel said that, you know, that he was making a comment that God would fill the void that's left by all these people leaving, but he did that when Poncho left. When Poncho left, people went with him. Our church is larger now than when you left, Poncho. So God does that. He, he calls people away, and then he, he fills that. But we want to pray for Mel. Um, we've got Jeff and Andrew, two elders that are also going to pray. Where did Ian go? There she is. Come stand by Poncho. Jeff, you get to move. They won't see her. And then I wanted Poncho. I wanted Poncho. I gave him one minute because he left our church. And I want, I want you to share just a word to him because you, you went through what he's about to do. Yeah, it was uh, five years and about four or five months ago that um, the elders have uh, prayed for me and Ian to uh, go uh, serve at another church. And... Um, for some of us who may not know, um, Mel's been trained in SEND Network. SEND Network is an entity of the North American Mission Board, and it's a, about 45,500 uh, partner churches. And so we're, we're glad to be partnering with um, Melcher. Um, I think uh, what Kevin, Pastor Kevin has said earlier, that uh, Bayview has been a big part of a support uh, team for the Guam Christian Life Fellowship as well. So we look forward to doing more work, kingdom work, on the island with uh, Gospel Life. Okay, we'll give that to Jeff. We're going we're gonna, to uh, commission them. Before you pray, though, we don't have a last song. So I'm going to ask you to stand as a church. We're going to finish our service today. By, before we pray, I'm going to ask that we could do just the first course of Amazing Grace, and then we'll go into prayer. Don't hold the mic up, Jeff, while you're singing. <laughs> I don't have a great voice, so help me out. Ready? Amazing grace. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much just for this opportunity to commission this uh, Mel, Mel and Rachel and this whole church, Father. We're, uh, they have a dozen people standing here today, but we know that they're going to have many more dozens in the future. Yes, we just, uh, we know that because we know that they have a heart uh, for you. They have a heart for Guam. Uh, we thank you for uh, bringing Mel back, sending him to the training, bringing him back, and thank you for putting this uh, calling in his heart, uh, I believe years ago, a heart for Guam and a heart for his people. And uh, growing up here myself, uh, I'm, I'm really happy to see Mel come back and uh, uh, just want to reach uh, the people of Guam, Father. 
So many people leave and never come back, but uh, this is a great opportunity. Father, we sang Amazing Grace, and we do thank you for your grace, your mercy, and most of all, your sovereignty, Father. We know that uh, years ago, you had prepared these people to be here at this moment for this purpose, and we just want to uh, bless, bless them and, uh, and thank you for them in Christ's name. Amen. And Lord, your sovereignty doesn't end here because we know that you're still working through the life of um, Melcher, Rachel, and the family, and the team that's, that will be supporting them. And so, Father, we know that you're already tilling the soil, the land that they will uh, be ministering to. We know that you are already tilling the hearts of the people that they will be ministering to and sharing the gospel to. And so we are excited, Father. We thank you for the leadership of um, Pastor Kevin and the elders here at Bayview that um, is just a, a testament of your work here in this place. And so, Father, we thank you for how Melcher and Rachel has heed to your call. And, Lord, we, we're so, so excited, and uh, as my prayer earlier this morning as well, that um, this is not the, the last time that uh, we'll witness this uh, celebration of um, you sending the workers out in the, out in the field. And so, Father, we thank you. We just uh, we love you. We, we know uh, we're excited on what's going to happen with Gospel Life as you continue to nourish and nurture and just be uh, a God who is a sovereign, as what uh, Jeff has said. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Father, I just close out our service just saying thank you for your grace. To be a God who calls uh, ministers and gives them a purpose, like you did Paul, like you did Peter. I've lived and walked that, and to see you do that with Mel, I thank you for the team that you've also called to put around him. I pray for your protection of them. Like I said earlier in the message, young churches sometimes are like an infant. They need, they need extra attention and care and protection. I pray that Mel would be a wise shepherd over this group, and that you would um, protect him and Mel in their marriage and their family, the very heart of the church, uh, the quality of that church connects so much to how well they will do here in the next two years, just as a young family, the pressures that can come. So I, I lift them up in particular, Lord, I pray for them. I, I pray that Mel, Rachel, and this team would know that they are loved, that they have allies on this island, that they can ask for help, and I commit them to you. We pray for your name to be the one that, that we all care about. There's three, three church pastors, lead pastors up here on this stage, and yet what we really care about is the name of Christ. So we commit all these things up to you in Christ's name. Amen. I would invite you to come forward and hug these people and give them a good send-off. God bless you. Thank you for coming.